Good morning, Vintage Church. I want you to open up your Bibles once again to Acts chapter 2 as we continue this series called Fresh. Uh, if I haven't had a chance to meet you, my name's Rob Wilton. I serve as the lead pastor of Vintage Church, and I want to welcome you, especially if you're in the house today and you're a first-time guest. Welcome. Let's give it up for our VIPs in the house. Come on, Vintage Church. Give it up for our VIPs today. We're so glad that you're here with us, and I hope you'll take a next step today to connect into the life of our church. Listen, I'm not with you in person today because this weekend is a special weekend for my family. My younger sister, she's 10 years younger than me. I'm more like an uncle to her than an older brother, but she's getting married this weekend. And so I'm shooting this video ahead of time just to introduce what we're gonna be doing today as we open up God's word. But uh, my sister Shelly is uh, marrying Dan and uh, Dan is a pilot from Zimbabwe. And so we've had a huge celebration. If you go online right now and check out my social, I promise you I got pictures of the whole uh, fun festivities of celebrating my sister's new marriage. And so thank you for allowing me to go and be a part of that and be at my dad's church this morning. Uh, listen, what we want to do as we continue this series is kind of share with you something kind of unique. Back in 2014, my dad and I, which is where I'm at right now at my dad's church, he's uh, the pastor of First Baptist Spartanburg, South Carolina. His name is Don Wilton. My dad and I co-led a trip to Israel. And last week, as we jumped into Acts chapter 2, we looked at the story of Pentecost, and we looked at this beautiful setting in Jerusalem of the Holy Spirit coming upon the people of God, right? And uh, every nation, every tongue uh, was represented in this moment. And God brings unity. Peter rises up, preaches an amazing sermon. People get saved. Well, listen, we wanted to give you an opportunity to actually experience Jerusalem. And so what we're going to show today is the time of teaching that my dad and I had literally on the steps where Peter preaches at Pentecost. And you're going to get to see the Mount of Olives. You're going to get to see the old city of Jerusalem. It's going to be a beautiful setting, and it's going to give you kind of a front row seat to this incredible miracle, the launch pad of God's Spirit working through God's people, unleashing God's movement around the world. So open up your Bibles to Acts chapter 2, and I'm going to hand this over now to my dad. Let's get into God's Word together, and let's believe great things in Jesus' name. Well, I want to, uh, what I'm going to do for just a very brief introduction as I, I guess I want to put in layman's terms, I want us to really connect with where we are right here. I really want you to understand where we are right here. And then I'm going to ask Rob to come and to put that into a spiritual context for us. I want you to think about a gateway, a door. And I want you to think about this, exactly where we are seated right here, as being the door to the gospel. 
This is where the gospel was sent out into the whole world. This is where it was launched. So what I want to do today is I want to remind you of something. In John chapter 12, and I'm summarizing, Jesus said to the disciples, He said, everything about my hour, about what is going to happen to me on the cross, has to do with one thing, and that is that I would be glorified. Bottom line again, the Apostle Paul made it clear, I save to know nothing among you excepting Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And Jesus impressed upon His disciples that everything about Him, the love of God, has to do with glorifying our Father which is in heaven. You know, I love on the Mount of Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 6 where you know, Jesus taught the disciples and said, when you pray, this is what you need to be saying. And by the way, the Lord's Prayer is probably the most powerful doctrinal statement in all of Scripture. Don't ever limit yourself to just simply a prayer. It's not just simply a prayer. It's the content of the prayer. Just think about it. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Well, if you just begin with that, the hallowed name of our Heavenly Father. And when the disciples heard Jesus talk and when He spoke about His coming death, His burial and His resurrection, they were perplexed. They didn't understand clearly. And Jesus made it clear in John chapter 12. He said, all of this is to glorify my Father which is in heaven. And so you come down to the Acts of the Apostles. We're going to be following the footsteps of Jesus from the Garden of Gethsemane through the Kidron Valley to the house of Caiaphas, which is just hidden behind that wall there. And the steps as he goes down the Via Doloroso, culminating in the Garden Tomb. We're going to culminate in the Garden Tomb with a phenomenal time of worship as we bring everything to that climactic moment and we proclaim the gospel until he comes again. So what happened? Let me read you in Acts chapter 2. Because Jesus, after he was raised from the dead, appeared to over 500. Then he went back to the Mount of Olives. We're looking at the Mount of Olives where we will be standing tomorrow. And he ascended to be seated at the right hand of the Father. Then Pentecost took place. God by his Spirit came down. God himself by his Spirit indwelling the hearts and lives of men and women. All who believe in his name. Listen to what happened in Acts chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Where was that place? Right there on Mount Zion, where we were yesterday, the upper room area. They were all together in one place. And suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven, 
and filled the whole house where they were sitting. It makes sense now, doesn't it? They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages. The word glossolalia, in other tongues, in other languages. Many people ask the question, what exactly are tongues? What does this mean? Well, just read it. The Bible tells us what it means. This is what the Bible says. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews, from every nation around the world. Now what did Jesus say in the Great Commission? He said, go into, someone tell me, all the world, all the nations. How did that begin? Here the Bible says, these God-fearing Jews came from every nation under heaven. And when they heard the sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one of them heard the gospel being spoken in their own tongue, in their own language. You know, I always love that passage when I'm around people like Saliba and George because they can switch from one tongue to another without any problem. You and I have great difficulty. I speak a couple of three languages, but nothing like these gentlemen. You find that very well expressed in the lives of people who live in a place like this. Utterly amazed, they asked, are not all these men who are speaking Galileans? Aren't they all of the same tongue? Do they not all speak the same language? Then how is it that each one of us hears them in his own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. And amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what in the world does this mean? In fact, some of them even began to say, I know what their problem is. They've been up all night drinking and they've drunk too much wine and they just simply drunk. Then Peter stood up. And right here, looking down on the city of David. Now remember this. Where was King David? Where was David buried? Right there in the city of David. Some of you have been asked that question. So when you look at this, I see this area here, the southeastern corner of the pinnacle of the temple, as the great connector between all the nations of the world. It was right in this place that all the nations came to do what? To worship God at the temple. At the temple. They all came to the place where God is. Remember back in those days, God was limited by man to a box, to the Holy of Holies. And the only access to the Holy of Holies was the Holy Priest, the, the High Priest. And when Jesus came, the, the curtain in the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The way was opened, the gospel was opened, so that there is now neither Jew nor Greek, 
neither male nor female, neither bond nor free. We are all one in Christ. And all the nations came here. They were gathering here. They were pouring in here. They were pouring out here. And right there on Mount Zion, the Spirit of God came down upon these men and filled them with the power and presence of His promise, the paraclete, the one who draws alongside. And He gave to these men the ability to proclaim this gospel of the good news to all of these people, to all of the nations. And it was from this point that the Word of God was launched out to all the nations because all these people went back to their homes to their lands, to their people, to their tribes. And they'd all heard the gospel. They all heard about the transforming power of the grace of God. And it was from this very point that the Great Commission found its ultimate expression. Because it was right here. It was right here that the gospel was launched into the world in which we live. And so it was that God's servant, Peter, stood up. He stood up and he boldly proclaimed the word of God. He said, men and brethren, listen. Amen. Charles Haddon Spurgeon made this statement. He said, you cannot be about the business of preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ and articulate snoring at the same time. <laughs> and if people can get excited over a ball game, no wonder the Apostle Peter stood up and he boldly proclaimed the good news. I've invited Rob to come and to explain this gospel to us and the content of the message which is preached on this occasion. I always appreciate the introductions Dad gives me, uh, but Pastor Gary, it's just uh, not easy to follow. I, I love thinking about Peter here. I, I just love thinking about Peter. We've, we've been in some very um, important places in the life of Peter. We're, we're going to go to some other let me just ask a question. I'd love to see hands. Um, anybody in this uh, group a sinner? Could I just see some hands? Okay, that's good. Awesome. Because then I'd have to change my message again. We'd have some problems. Um, when, I, when I think about Peter, you know, I, I, I kind of, I, I, we, we, we so easily put these guys in Scripture that we read about up on this pedestal. And we should. There's no doubt. You know, we were having a conversation with Saliba and, and George by the Dead Sea. And, and I just believe that, you know, the, the last time the church was really perfect was when Jesus was leading his disciples. You know, they had the ultimate leader. The moment it got passed off to Peter and Paul, Peter to the Jews, Paul to the Gentiles, we've been depraved. We've been faulty. We haven't been perfect. That's why you have so many different expressions of the church, right? And Peter was a guy. I mean, does it shock you that Peter here at this point, I mean, we're going to read, if you read in scripture, this is Acts chapter 2, where Peter delivers this incredible sermon. 
Um, and then you go into Acts chapter 3, and what do you find? Peter and John going up to the temple at the time of prayer, and they boldly look at a man who's wanting money, who's asking for alms, and they don't give him money, but what do they give him? Silver or gold I do not have, but what I give to you, I give in the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ, and as rise up and walk, the boldness of Peter. And I'm sitting here like, wasn't this the dude that denied Christ? Wasn't this the guy that lost faith on the Sea of Galilee and panicked because Hurricane Katrina was going on all around him? What, wasn't, this the, wasn't that that guy? So what's the difference with Peter in this moment? How in the world does he stand up to proclaim so boldly this incredible, incredible sermon? How in the world does he go in Acts chapter 3 and perform by the grace and the power of our Lord Jesus Christ the incredible healing of this lame man? It's the Holy Spirit, guys. Can I share with you, Rob Wilton? My mama will testify. I, there, there was one thing in my life I was crazy scared of growing up as a kid. It was speaking in front of people. Like literally, I got F's on social studies papers because I refused to get up and deliver a, a, a talk on some geography. I mean, I was scared to death. It horrified me what dad did and what my papa and bumpa did and what my Uncle Buzz and Uncle Rocky did. I was scared to death to speak in front of people. Well, how in the world am I doing this a lot now? It's because at the age of seven, Jesus saved me. And at the age of seven, when I was saved by the grace of Jesus, the Holy Spirit empowered me. And I'm standing before you right now proclaiming the Bible. I do it every week in New Orleans at Vintage Church, a church plant that we started. I do it with the New Orleans Saints as their chaplain because it's not Rob. It's the Holy Spirit. What's so key about Acts chapter 2? Acts chapter 1. Right? Jesus, hanging out right over there, said to His disciples, Wait. Go and pray. And the disciples, joined also by the family of Jesus, went to an upper room, not the same upper room we went to yesterday. They went to an upper room and they prayed. They got their leadership together, casting lots and seeing how God brought in Matthias. And then you come to Acts chapter 2 where my dad set this up. And I don't have time to to break down all the elements of Peter's sermon here, but let me just share a couple things, and then I want you to eventually look in your Bibles at Acts chapter 2, around verse 32, verse 33. But Peter here is now standing, guys, as one who isn't just Peter. He is empowered by the Holy Spirit. And he is proclaiming the very boldness of the Word of God. 
And, and what he does here is he opens up with a defense, okay? Remember the audience he's speaking to. He's speaking to some people who are ready for this Jesus movement, but he's also speaking to a lot of people at this moment who are probably still curious, maybe confused. You just heard it from dad because of the tongues of fire and because of the outpouring of Pentecost. Man, there's some explanation that needs to be done. So Peter stands up and he gives a defense and an explanation of this one truth. You ready for the truth? Here's a summary of Peter's sermon in Acts chapter 2. You ready? Jesus is the Messiah. That's it. (laughs) It's a one-point sermon. (laughs) Peter stands up and he says this, Jesus is the Messiah. Any questions? As dad says, or as dad also says, what seems to be your problem? Jesus is the Messiah. He is the one that we've been waiting for. He is the Son of God. He is God. And and what you find is, he he explains it in two different ways. Starting in verse 22, he, he explains that Jesus is the Messiah because His works affirm that. Secondly, in verse 23 through 32, which is where I want to pick up, he explains, he gives a defense, he gives an explanation that his resurrection affirms the fact that he is the Messiah. That Jesus is not in the tomb. He is alive. He is risen. So look with me in this text, because what we're going to find here is we're going to find that Jesus, the glorified Messiah, remember how Dad talked about This is all about the glory of God. Jesus, the glorified Messiah, He pours forth the Holy Spirit on the people's lives. First of all, through Peter, through this sermon. Just check with me as we close. In verse 32, it says, This Jesus, Peter's kind of coming to his invitation. This Jesus God raised up, and of that we are all witnesses, being therefore exalted at the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, He has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. For David did not ascend to the heavens, but he himself says, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Verse 36. Let all of the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. Why were they cut to the heart? Because Peter was so awesome? Because Peter had written books and toured all over the world signing books? Because Peter was this eloquent speaker? They were cut to the heart because of the Holy Spirit. Man cannot save man. Only God saves. I don't care what your theological breakdown is on how that is. That's the truth. Only Jesus saves. And Jesus here, through the power of the Holy Spirit, uses man, uses Peter, to cut into people's hearts. And it says they were cut to the heart and they said to, the, to Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? 
guys, the salvation that we have in Jesus Christ, that's what Dad talked about with Spurgeon. Here's Peter. He's amped up. You can't truly know Jesus and not be impacted by him. You show me someone that's not living for Jesus and just possibly maybe they've never met him. They don't have a relationship with him because when you meet the Holy Spirit, when you meet Jesus, you, you say things like, okay, well, what now? I got to do something about this. What does Peter say? Peter says, well, this is going to be easy, guys. I'm going to set up little buildings all over the world called churches, and these buildings are going to be all for you, and I'm going to give you positions of leadership in these buildings, and, and they're going to be holy huddles, and, and I just want you to be comfortable and have coffee every Sunday and enjoy yourself, and uh, is everything okay? Um, are you okay right now? Is that what he says? He says, repent. Deny yourself. Repent. It's the message that Jesus preached. It's the message that Peter got to walk with Jesus in. Guys, Jesus roamed. If anybody could have enjoyed the life on this earth, it was Jesus. He kind of created this world. But Jesus, have you ever thought about that? Roamed on this earth as a homeless man, eventually getting killed. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourself from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized, and they were added that day about 3,000 souls. They found baptismal pools here. And right here at this point, after Peter delivers this sermon by the power of the Holy Spirit, this Jesus movement launches. Remember who these 3,000 were? Dad read it in the early part of Acts chapter 2. They were the nations. And what was Jesus' command in Matthew chapter 28? Go therefore and baptize people all over the world. Proclaim the gospel all over the world. Make disciples all over the world. The world was here And now this movement, the book of Acts is so incredible. You start to then begin to see the Holy Spirit aligning his church. Let me just wrap up with this, because this is a direct result of what happens after 3,000 people come to faith in Jesus. And we know that scholars tell us, as Saliba and George have told us, that that's only counting probably there the men. It's a lot more than 3,000 at this point that were saved by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Look in Acts chapter 2, verse 42 through 47. And just reflect on this. This is going to be a prayer closing in me reading this text. Ask yourself, after receiving Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, is this a reflection of my life in Christ? So everyone bow your head and close your eyes. Because what happened as a result of this location is Acts 2, 42-47. The Great Commission. The church launching to the ends of the earth. 
And ask yourself, Holy Spirit, empower me to be this. To not just go to church, but to be the church. Empower me to make disciples of all nations. Acts 2, 42-47 And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having, having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Lord Jesus, empower us by your Holy Spirit to bring you glory all over this world. Amen. To proclaim your glory all over this world. And God, as I pray every day for my city in New Orleans, Lord, I pray that every single person in this world would come to faith in Jesus Christ. It's in your holy name that we pray. Amen.